This is the show with Cannon Brown. Reach out to those coaches. I mean, if, if there's a school or institution, you know, that you see, that you like, that, hey, maybe what is this livestock judging about? And I will tell you, you know, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of those kids that maybe haven't had the background, you know, and they're, they're interested. They're one thing that you can't teach and coach is, you know, that work ethic and want to and try. Um, we can teach you how to coach livestock or, you know, judge livestock and coach you to, to be a better evaluator. But if you don't have that initiative and passion yourself, that's very difficult for anyone to instill in you, no matter what you want to do. That last few minutes might have been a little confusing. You'd like to know who I was talking to, wouldn't you? Well, all righty then. Back for another week, everybody. Welcome to the podcast called The Show. I'm the host, Cannon Brown. I've got red hair. I'm about 5'9 and a half. I like to say I'm 5'10, but I have my girlfriend... I, I, I told my girlfriend I was 5'10 the other day, and one of her friends kind of pulled, like, called me out on it. So they actually pulled out a tape measure, um, and they measured me. And I'm 5'9 and a half. So, but I'm 5'10, you know, right? I'm 5'10. Okay, weird intro. Weird way to come into that. It's because I haven't talked to you guys in a while, Okay. I gotta get back on a regular schedule. I have to. I will. I'm 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 putting it into existence now that I will. Weekly, weekly. I promise. I don't know when it's gonna be. I've got a lot of plans, guys. I have a lot of plans that I'm working through right now. We're gonna bring you some incredible things. I mean, we brought you three other podcasts so far. The Keeper Pen. Legendary Mindset, Cattle Pros. We're going to bring you more livestock content very, very soon. And it's in the process of planning right now. That's I'm just busy. But I still love doing this podcast. So those of you loyal listeners that are listening right now, I'm, I apologize. But just know that I'm hustling for you too. In the background, I promise. I am hustling in the background for you. I promise. That's my explanation. I can't tell you any more than that right now. It's in a process, okay? We're still doing research. We're doing the market research, okay? We're doing our due diligence. I butchered that. Due diligence. Thank you. I'm not going to edit that out. I'm leaving it. I'll tell you what, guys. I've got a fantastic guest for you guys this week. He's a friend. He's a mentor. He's, he, he was my judging coach in Casper, Wyoming at Casper College for two years. And, uh, I mean, he saw me right out of high school. And we, I think the concept of, like, taking kids right out of high school and sending them, like, across the country to a judging school with 18 to 30 other livestock-minded kids that are crazy and wild... I like I'm glad no one's looking into it because it's a great time, okay? And judging coaches have to maneuver that relationship of uh, of somebody young coming in. I mean, I know a lot of people are mature at 18, okay? If you're mature at 18, good for you. I was not. I was 
very immature. I was not at school to go to school. I was at school to judge. I was there to judge livestock, of course, right? Now that I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm literally still in school, so you can see how well those uh, first two years got me. Um, they got me nowhere, obviously. So if you're listening and you're younger than me, don't take, like, don't try to do that. Like, go, like, if you go to junior college and you want to judge, I think that's an, a great aspiring thing to do, okay? Go to school, too, for sure. Okay, that's all I'm going to say. That's that's my soapbox, okay. My guest, Dr. Jeremy Burkett. Fantastic, fantastic guy. Fantastic judging coach. He's he's very, very involved in the coaching association. We talk about that in this interview. I can't say anything more because I've talked for so long already. I talk too much, okay? But I haven't talked to you guys in so long. And I miss just being in front of the mic imagining you listening to me and kind of being a a little annoyed, okay? My loyal listeners, I'm talking to you, okay? All right. Let's do it. Dr. Jeremy Burkett. You're safer here than any place else. Now just lock yourself in and keep quiet. All right. Dr. Jeremy Burkett is with us this week on the show podcast. I'm happy to have him here. We have a long relationship. He's the coach at Casper College, sitting in his office right now there in Casper, Wyoming. Dr. Jeremy Burkett, I'm glad you're here. Thank you, Cannon. Appreciate that. You have a very busy day, Um, not unlike any any of your other days at Casper College. You guys are always running around there like crazy, especially during these wild times, I bet. Um, But I'm happy that we could kind of find the time uh, for you to sit in your office and and talk about your life and talk about Casper because the listeners know that I that I went to school there and I hold it uh, in a special place in my heart. So I'm happy to kind of give it a little shout out here. Yeah, those were definitely some special times here at Casper College when you were here. Huh? <laughs> it was it, it was a interesting times. I bet it's you know what I got a I got a question for you right off the bat. Do you? How do you remember kids? You know, I mean, I you've been there for ten plus years, right? How do you yeah. how do you differentiate those years with so many kids coming through? I will tell you, the older you get, the harder it becomes to remember exactly what year. But each one of those teams you spend so much time with, and traveling up and down the road, and I know more about the team members than. Sometimes I even care to know about. So it, it, they make a lasting impression, and there are certain students that go on that obviously stick in your brain more so, but each one of them kind of has their own story and background and different places they may have came up or hardships that they went through, and those always leave a lasting impression in terms of what that kid's about and where they're going. Yeah. Well, I mean... I mean, you said that you you knew more about us than we probably should have let you know. But you, I mean, honestly, you knew more than my parents knew at all times. Um, even the stuff that I didn't want you to know, you just found out at all times. Um, well, don't take that story for a different time. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. We don't need to tell any of those stories. But I'm just saying. I mean, you. It is interesting how much a coach is involved with your life um, in junior college, whether it be sports or, or judging. I mean, it's it's just an interesting dynamic. 
Well, and especially being a coach at a junior college, that the difference is is you you come as an immature high school kid and obviously different ages in terms of development there, but I mean you come as an immature high school kid and I tell you within the first six months you can tell just the growth curve and we always say you come as an immature high school kid and you leave as a young adult and that two years of kind of growth and development that takes place during junior college is is something special and in most cases your your parents won't even recognize it because they haven't been around you much yeah that's true no i uh i wish i would have came out more of a young adult when i came out of Casper. <laughs> i had to wait a couple years on that one but it's okay everybody ha- everybody has their own course that's right. Um, but no, you guys have been running. I, I'm glad you guys are back on the road. Um, judging, I was scared for these kids, uh, especially because of last year they kind of um, got screwed out of Den or not Denver, but Houston. Um, and I'm happy that we're kind of getting some of these uh, contests back. And you guys just got back from Des Moines, right? Yeah, we did the we national, did. the CPS show which was an awesome show. Yeah. And I will tell you to, you know, in these times of uncertainty and getting the opportunity to make up a show like that, the, the time and effort that those people put in to put on a top-notch show and judging contest, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. How many kids did you take? Um, I took nine. Yeah, I, I I said this before. I don't know why I say kids. They're basically my age. So right. anybody that's listening right now that's in junior college, I am not calling you a kid. I don't know why I said that. I am a kid as well, basically. Actually, I'm kind of getting old, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but no, I I bet the I bet those guys were stoked to get back in the ring. Uh, I saw the pictures. I mean, social distancing, masks on. Uh, got to do everything by the book, which I understand. I mean, we if there's going to be regulations, we probably should follow them uh, just to have the contest go on, you know. Um, feelings aside I, about masks. I agree 100%. And I think, you know, no matter what we have to do, and, you know, I will tell you, I'm I'm kind of the rule follower. I'm, you, if you have to wear a mask to participate, let's do it. And yeah. if that's you have to do that is a very small price that you have to pay you know to to get to participate but we cannot continue you know what we are doing with the current circumstances so we're we're going to have to adapt adapt and figure out ways to put on contests i mean the one thing that's probably struggled the most with this is you know the opportunities that these kids get and the educational output that they get from these contests is priceless and so getting to go to a contest and getting kids out i mean you you've made reference to this multiple times you know the judging team memories and the vans that you know the van trips and different producers that you go to the connections you make is a large part of being involved with the judging team well it's pretty hard to have a judging team if you don't have contests and stuff to go to yeah so what was uh, what was your mindset last year at Houston? I, we had a pretty unique story because we so we caught a flight. I don't remember what day of the week it was, but we caught a late night flight. So we got into Houston, Texas, to Hobby Airport at about twelve thirty, one o'clock, 
And of course, at that time, the van rental place, the only place I could find a 15 passenger van was clear up north at other airport. So oh, gosh. What is that? Airport. So we took an Uber ride for basically 12 of us. <laughs> we had four different Uber trips to our hotel, which was in close proximity to there. So by the time I got back to my hotel room and checked in and everything else, probably closed about four o'clock in the morning. And I got up, well, never really went to bed, caught another Uber, went and picked up the van, got back to our hotel at about 6, 6.30 sit down to eat some breakfast and that's basically when we got news that the contest had been canceled oh gosh so, yeah we were we were staying down at a hotel just south of the airport there where we had a couple workouts set up um, we were actually slated to go to rick whitman's that afternoon and so i was like well if the contest is a no-go we're at least going to make you know the best of the trip and get to go see some livestock. And so I called around and made some phone calls and had a few of those set up. Well, then they came out um, that that county uh, had the potential then to have a travel ban basically put in place. And so then obviously every possible scenario, you know, runs through your mind. And my first one was, well, we're here in Texas. Let's just go enjoy a week while we're down here. <laughs> yeah, true. And then reality sank in, you know, let's go fishing on the beach, you yeah. know, let's go sit on the beach, let's go fishing. We're here, we might as well do something. And then the more you start talking about it, then it's like, well, the way they're running all this stuff, they may shut it down and we they, may not get home yeah. for a while. So You might not be able to do anything. Right. Yeah. So between numerous phone calls between coaches and bouncing ideas on how we put on a contest, you know, where alternatives may be long story short about 2:30, we made the executive decision to buy plane tickets back they had just enough for the group of us to get on so i dropped them off at the airport meaning the kids and said do not miss the flight get on your flight get back to denver how to return and back because the and rental place was clear back across houston so it was about an hour and a half and I made it back to the van rental place, took an Uber back, and basically made it right as they were closing the gate. Wow. So within a 24-hour period, we were in Denver, Colorado, Houston, Texas, and back to Denver. That is crazy, man. That's a, that is a travel story and a half. Yes, it was, it was definitely a very stressful time. Well, trying I, to get kids situated and get them back to safety and make sure we were in a good spot to where we didn't get stuck somewhere. Was, were the mindset of the other coaches you were talking to, were people trying to find alternative places to have a, uh, a contest and we, you couldn't find venues or, or what, what was the thing that kind of set you guys and say, okay, let's just, let's go home. It's not happening. Yeah. Obviously it was brainstorming, trying to figure out, you know, where we could do them. And then it was, proximity so we were already in houston where the majority of the teams that were maybe driving maybe hadn't made it quite that far yet so we were all in different stages of our travel up to that point yeah. so it kind of changed perspective on you know what we could do and where we could all meet up and obviously those ideas were bounced around numerous times 
And with that being kind of the conclusion of the sophomore group's year, I mean, obviously that was a big priority for us coaches was to try to find something to at least, you know, make up for what Houston did. And they, they did the right thing. They did what they had to do. Yeah. Obviously at that point it was unforeseen circumstances that no one knew, you know, was going to take place. So, I mean, our, our goal as the coaches association was to try to figure out alternatives and, and where we could put these on. And obviously that becomes a logistical nightmare when we're all in different places and different, you know, resources that we can pull from. And so that became a, a very big challenge and very readily apparent that that was going to be a tough task to get taken off. But coaches were in favor of trying to find something. Yeah. Well, I, and I was assuming they would be um, everybody. I mean, there was there was shows that were popping up after Houston that people were having. So I, I'm assuming that that was uh, an idea that was thrown around to have it at a different venue or, or something. But I just kind of wanted to know the intricate details of it. I mean, it's something that hasn't happened before. So I'm sure that it was a shell shock when it happened. And I'm just like we were kind of starting off this conversation. I'm happy that we're being able to follow the guidelines and open up some of these contests because it, it, it really does damper the, the experience for these kids that are going through junior college to not be able to go to these contests early on. It does. And, and that was probably, you know, as a coach and like we talked about getting to know those kids, that was, that was probably the hardest thing to know was that team and that group of very talented kids didn't get the opportunity, you know, to kind of peak and highlight what they had done up to that point. And I can tell you from our position, we were in a very good place going into Houston and obviously had some momentum with some very good teams across the country. And we were excited to see how we stacked up. Yeah. But that was probably the most disappointing part of the whole thing was knowing that their Houston experience wasn't going to be the same. Yeah. But, but on the other hand, I mean, you know, and and not to downplay that by no means, but I think we've also learned a lot more of how to get through these situations, how to become, you know, kind of think outside of the box. If we can't have it here, where can we have it? Mm -hmm. Tell you the support for even that aspect has been unbelievable of the, the amount of people and support. But the Ag World is a very small community, obviously, but, man, they're a tough one and very resilient. And that's that's the neatest part of being involved with that type of industry is just the resilient attitude. And, and when we're faced with a problem or challenge, we don't back away from it. We step up and try to figure out how we can get stuff done. Yeah. For sure. And we've uh, go ahead. I said, we've learned a lot. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and that's going to be, I mean, I hope we're resilient enough to maybe put on a contest for the kids that won't be able to go to Denver. I don't know if that's been thrown around. Um, I'm I'm sure that's, that's one topic that we as coaches haven't discussed yet, but definitely, you know, I'd say the back circle to that is, is being talked about and, you know, what some alternatives are. I, yeah. Without saying, you know, a whole lot, I, 
I would be very surprised if we didn't have some type of makeup contest somewhere. I, I think you're 100% right. I mean, if people are already talking about legitimately having backup shows for it, yep. um, I think that having a contest would be just as easy. Um, even if the regulations are the same, six feet, I mean, th there could be a huge, huge contest there. Well, and, and, and really from a coach's perspective, we've already done that because they actually made the announcement on the junior college side a while back to cancel our Louisville contest. And that was basically out of, of Louisville's idea that we were, we as junior college were not a national contest. And I understand their priorities for senior college and being the national championship and yeah. the national 4-H contest. And their executives and, and the team that's in charge of the junior college side of things, uh, Dr. Wilson and his crew um, stepped forth and put forth the effort. And, and we have an alternative contest for that one um, that will be taking place here in November. So nice. the positive is they proposed a challenge and we figured it out and came up with some solutions for it. And so we get to have a contest whether it's in Louisville or not, it'll be a replacement contest for the for the Louisville judging contest. I hadn't even known that Louisville had uh, canceled the junior college. That's incredible yeah. that there's going to be a backup, though. And actually, just recently, they sent out an email um, in regards to the National 4-H contest. And because, I would assume, because most of those 4-H programs are tied to university extension, that there was a very limited number of, of teams that could participate in that. So they actually canceled the national 4-H contest. Wow. That's crazy, actually. Yes. What's uh, What do you think is going to happen with like national convention, like FFA? It's It's been canceled. They canceled oh my that. gosh, what? I'm out of the loop. Yep, they canceled that one Quite a while back, actually. Wow, I'm. I guess I'm just not in the loop on the FFA organization anymore. I guess. Dang, that's crazy. That makes me very sad, actually. Okay, let's uh, let's not talk about this anymore. All right, we're <laughs> we're going down a dark path, Burkett. Come on. Uh, let's talk about your life. We're we're 20 minutes into this interview. Let's talk about you right now. Now. You've been coaching in Casper for 10 plus years now, but you're also from Wyoming. You're from Hillsdale, Wyoming, which is kind of right outside of Cheyenne, correct? That is correct. Uh, Cheyenne, I mean, you grew up in like the 70s and 80s, right? Oh, I'm not that old. 80s. 90s. What? Are you kidding me? How young are you? I am. I will be 40 in December. Damn, Burkett, you're young. I always just thought of you as just like an old, like an old dad, you know. I guess you were a lot younger than I expected. I'm having a realization right now. If you can't tell. <laughs> okay, so you grew up in the '90s. So the Cheyenne was actually a pretty poppin' place at that point. Yeah, I mean, we we never really went to Cheyenne much. I mean, my background, Hillsdale is a very small community um just east of cheyenne we went to high school to high school in burns actually was very involved with 
FFA and 4-H, obviously, growing up, that was a big part of my life. And my family, we had about 25 sows, show pig sows, and grew up raising pigs and obviously very active involved with showing livestock, mainly sheep and goats and cattle at different points, but mainly on the hog side. Obviously, that was my passion growing up. But very small town, um, stayed actively involved with, obviously, FFA, and very strong believer in what that organization does. I actually served as the FFA president for the state of Wyoming in 1999-2000, so that'll tell you how old I am, Kevin. Uh, yeah, I was, I was going to ask you if you served um, as a state officer. You're actually the same age as my uncle who served as a state officer in that same year in Arizona. Yep. Um, interesting. Okay. So yeah, I know I'm okay. Now I'm back on track. Why did I think you were older? I think (laughs) maybe Horniker. I just expected everybody was Horniker's age. How old's Horniker? I good. I still have all my hair and it's not gray. So I'm, I'm leaps and bounds ahead of that. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Um, so yeah, you guys raised hogs. Uh, how many people were kind of showing livestock in the 90s in like around Cheyenne, Wyoming? Did you have a market uh, outside of Wyoming or were you guys just kind of selling to communities around you guys? You know, we did. My my dad and I, you know, basically were the two that kind of had the biggest passion. My brother and sister showed quite a bit. Um, our big market at that time for county fair and state fair was big. In, in our off-season, I guess, you know, those summer litters. We did have a few ag teachers, you know, down Oklahoma, Texas that would come up at different points, and we took quite a few pigs back at that time to success still and um, tried to market a few of those as most, and we kind of revamped that and decided that, you know, that market – was there, but definitely not lucrative for us to do with that many sows. So we actually found some markets around there that we would basically breed those off litters or off season litters and keep most of our replacement back. And that allowed us then in the springtime uh, to be a little easier on selling some of those upper end gilts and, you know, kind of breeding stock from that standpoint. But we're, we're fairly competitive. Um, My sister, made the sale a couple times at Denver and I was never fortunate to playing sports and doing all that part to get to show down there as much as I wanted to, but we I never got, got drawn. Yeah. And that's my big frustration now. And I've noticed that with my kids as I put in for three years and my son is still not drawn. So yeah. I yeah, probably, I think we put in five years and I didn't get drawn once. And then, you know, what really bugged me is somebody from my state would get drawn and they wouldn't even go. I'm like, come on. If you're going to get drawn, at least go. You know, and then a a big push for us then, you know, obviously when I got into college, um, we took quite a few down to Arizona National then and, you know, got to exhibit some pigs and and prospect calves and everything else down that way. So that that kind of allowed us our national show experience. Yeah gave us the opportunity to get, you know, out and about and show. For sure. 
That's back when like Arizona Nationals was like the OG days. Yes. Um, like back when they were kind of fighting for numbers and stuff. Maybe they were kind of doing good in the cattle show still. The cattle show has always been pretty good. The, the sheep and goat show was always pretty good. Yeah. Um, but those were those were back in the days for sure. Definitely the the late nineties and and even early two thousand. So when I started here, even in two thousand and nine, you know the numbers at Arizona were where I they lower than where they have been. And then I'm the tremendous growth and you know just the size and scope of that show now is, you know, it's grown and developed into a very, you know, high quality show from yeah. top to bottom. And the junior numbers that you had the last couple of years is off the charts compared to where it used to be. And I mean, I've, I've, I've always been, you know, a big fan of going to Arizona. And I think that's one of the trips, you know, not only as a coach and, and coaching that team to go down there, but getting the opportunity to spend your Christmas vacation and usually very warm and tropical weather compared to Wyoming, Arizona is a, is a nice relief from that. But, you know, just, just seeing where that show has grown and, and what it's come to now is incredible. Yeah, and, and it's probably going to get a whole lot bigger this year. Oh, absolutely, especially with, you know, some of these junior shows not having, and hopefully they can handle them. Hopefully. I mean, we've been pushing it every year. <laughs> yeah. Every year those facilities look a little smaller and smaller, so um, – we might have to get be pushed into to another venue, but if we, I, I think if we need another venue, those guys will figure it out. Oh, absolutely. So, um, how much judging did you do in 4-H and FFA? Was there a, was there a lot of judging ex, like opportunities besides junior college? So, like in our area, we had a very strong FFA program, and I would say you know at that time our our 4-H was probably a little more limited on opportunities. Um, my experience and, you know, even some of my teammates at that time's experience was very limited. Not that we didn't want to do it. We just, you know, to be honest with you, at that time in my life, I had no idea that there was not even an option, you know, no. to, to judge in junior college or, or be a part of that. And you know, that it was above and beyond what we could do at FFA. And so our pinnacle of the year, obviously, was going to state FFA convention and judging the livestock contest that we practiced three weeks prior to, and we went to the contest. We thought that's how it worked. So yeah. I would say very limited. Well, when did, it, when did it come on your map that, oh, shoot, I might be able to go to school for this? Yeah, so actually in high school I had to make a – make a pretty difficult decision at that point i was playing basketball and football and thought that athletics was going to be you know my ticket to to go to college and my realization at that time came real quick that i probably wasn't going to do that for the rest of my life and i had to find something that was definitely more lucrative and get the opportunity i did i did have a couple you know low-key junior colleges, you know, recruit you to go play sports and wasn't really down my path at that time. My passion and, you know, I guess goal at that time was to go to vet school and I knew academically where I wanted to be. I just didn't know how I was going to get there yet. Yeah. So really, I, 
made my decision um, to come to Casper. Uh, it was it was really a pretty easy decision. Looking back now, um, Kelly Birch was actually my dad's high school ag teacher, and and a big part of of him being you know, close and a, a big family friend and obviously a show family with his boys and Brock and Colby and getting to grow up with them and getting the opportunity to show livestock around them. It made it pretty clear that that was probably my path to, to go. So I was fortunate and got a phone call from Kelly and Mr. Birch. And he said, you know, come to Casper, let's judge. And that was the best life choice I ever made. Hmm. That's a good story, dude. I mean, that's, and that's cool that you didn't really have it on your mind, but you were just like, got kind of a phone call and you're like, okay, let's do it. Yep. Uh, it's, do you remember when you called me? I do. Yeah. You called me at like the last day of March. Yep. My senior year. It was the last day to fill out an application if I was ever going to get a scholarship. You were like, I don't even care if you want to come here. Obviously, we want you here. But if you want a scholarship, you have to fill this out. And I had I had talked to you for like five minutes at that point. Right. And uh, filled out that, that application. And I like literally came downstairs and told my parents, I was like, well, I think I'm going to go to Wyoming. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that, I think back on that, and that was and crazy. That's that's probably one of the only things that you ever turned in on time. It was honestly, <laughs> it has been, and only the one thing that I turned in on time on the deadline. But you know the unique story behind that, and that kind of goes back to the same concept: is you don't know where it's going to take you, and honestly, your connections with a few of the people that I went to grad school with, and you know made some phone calls and you never know where, you know, you're going to find those kids that are the caliber of kids that you're looking for. And more importantly, not even necessarily caliber of kids you're looking for, but those kids that need that opportunity. Yeah. Few phone calls. And that was a, a very good decision on both of our parts. No. And I, yeah, I think back on that and just what a crazy thing that was. I mean, honestly, I was going to go to Clarendon, um, because I had only talked to, um, the coach of Clarendon, Johnny Trichel, I had only talked to him and I, I had gone to a Connors camp, but I hadn't really talked to any coaches at Connors. And then you called me and I was like, you know what? Wyoming actually sounds decent. The coach is persistent on the phone. Yeah. Uh, I believe in it. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good, it was a good choice. And honestly, I, I don't regret it at all. I mean, I met some of my best friends, a couple of my best friends. I mean, I was just at Tyler Pick and Paw's wedding this last weekend. Yeah. Uh, met him at Casper. What a great guy. Congratulations to him. I didn't get to make it to that one, but we were obviously getting ready for Barrow Show, but it was it was a lot of fun to see. I mean, and that's the connections you make, and that's that's your strongest friends. I mean, you think you have friends in high school, but your closest and dearest friends that you will talk to frequently you know, typically come from college and more specifically come from those livestock judging teams and the time you spent in the van and just the memories and everything else that you make from a program like that is that's what we do it for. Yeah, for sure. 
Now, what was the experience like? Because I, I bet it had to be a little different in terms of um, like road trips, uh, going to contests in the 90s. I mean, I bet it was still a different experience than what we grew up with or what I, what I at least what I went through in from 14 to 16 or 2014 to 2016. I bet there was a little bit of a different culture. Um, oh, there was. That, I mean, could, could you elaborate that, on that? Yeah, at that time there was i would say a lot more kind of regional contest even you know the national contest cow palace and kansas city and louisville and where they kind of change their dates and everything else i can remember you know in junior college obviously a very competitive team you know that we had right right in front of us and you know getting to watch and see them travel the country and what opportunities that brought us i I want to say when we started our sophomore year and basically started up in, oh, probably that end of September time. Now, we didn't go to Barrow Show at that time, you know, at the beginning of September. But I think I made it to maybe three days of class in about a four-week stretch by the time we drove from Casper, Wyoming to or Kansas City. I, I don't remember, recall, but we drove from basically Casper America to San Francisco back across to Kansas city, came back home at some point in there and drove straight to Louisville. Wow. So it was definitely one of those days. I half the time we didn't even have time to do laundry or drive drying our pants out the window of the judging van driving up and down the road. So jeez. So yeah, a little bit of a different culture. Um, Absolutely. Uh, I, I, we had a lot of contests, but it definitely wasn't like that. Um, I, I feel like my freshman year and sophomore year, you guys took us to quite a few contests. I, I didn't feel left out of any contests whatsoever, but we didn't travel like that. Right. And, and that's, it's changed. I mean, just some of the contests that were there and opportunities that we had to go to those at different points. I mean, we were, we were very fortunate with, with our coaches and, you know, Mr. Birch and Miss Dyer and having both of them, you know, push us and get us to where we would go. We got to travel quite a bit and, you know, our, our location relative to some of those contests just naturally makes it a long drive. But I will tell you the one thing that I kind of remember the most about that is those road trips and, it was about judging and that was obviously our main focus, but you know, our coach always made it a priority to stop at the arch in St. Louis and we go to the golden gate bridge in San Francisco. We go to Alcatraz, we go down to the wharf and, you know, just get the opportunity to see some of those things that some of those kids, frankly, had never seen, you know, an escalator or, you know, little things that yeah. you think about that make a huge impression on their life and just those experiences you can draw from. Did you go to school with somebody that had never seen an escalator before? Absolutely, we did. Yep. Wow. That's very interesting, actually. How many escalators are in the state of Wyoming, do you think? Ooh, that's a very, not very many. Like under 10? Ooh, you'd be pretty close right there. <laughs> interesting. I don't know. Yeah, because there's not many like two-story malls in no. uh, Wyoming, and I think that's the majority of them. And I know the airports don't have them, right? 
That's interesting. That's a, I might want to look that up actually, just to like kind of see if there's actually a statistic out there. Yeah. There's your fun trivia fact. That's a fun trivia fact for the day right there. Honestly, like that's, that actually is interesting. Okay. So you, I mean, the culture is incredible. You guys are traveling around, you fall in love with the judging team and the whole judging experience. When do you, were you always kind of going to go to CSU after Casper? Did you have your eyes on anywhere else or was it just a straight transition? You know, that was obviously at that time, Dr. Brett Kaysen was at Colorado state and, you know, just the rich tradition that, that CSU had had. Um, I have letters from multiple different institutions, you know, across the country and, and if it weren't for judging, I would have never had, you know, some of those opportunities, you know, come up. But really, it was our team. Uh, we were very close at that time. And I will tell you, some of my lifelong friends are on that team that I still talk to now. Um, but with that, you know, we all sit down and basically said, let's go tour. So we went and toured and we had come off a competitive year, you know, and in my plan... I, I will be honest and tell you, my plan was to go to Texas and with Dr. Skaggs and Dr. Elliott and both of those two coaching at the two respective institutions in Texas. I mean, that was obviously a huge draw. And basically we sat down kind of together as a team and, and we came up with where we wanted to go. And I was probably the last one to tour Colorado state and, Basically, I knew when I set foot on campus, that's where I was supposed to be. Yeah. But. Well, and Dr. Brett Kaysen can talk a fish out of water. I mean, that man, it just oozes wisdom in everything he says. I don't know how he was 20 years ago or 15 years ago, but that he's got some persuasion skills and he he's very, very intelligent when it comes to livestock and and knowing what people want to get out of things yeah i was i was very fortunate you know in in junior college to have what i would consider kind of the hall of famer of of junior college judging at that time i mean definitely ranks up there with with some of the greatest you know to ever coach this game and for sure you know with dr Kaysen at at csu at that time and he wasn't a doctor then but he still you know, very professional and just the way he carries himself and how he does it. I mean, made a, a very lasting impression on, on my life and where I'm at now. And, yeah. you know, off of that team, that was, that was a large part of our decision is there was a group of us from Northeastern Junior College in, in Colorado and a group of us from Casper. And we came together at, at CSU and had a very competitive run there at Colorado State. Reserve champs, reserve national champions. Does that still hurt you sometimes? I don't want like I didn't mean that as a slight. I I think it's an accomplishment. It does for sure. We got beat by four points, and that's about the fourth or fifth time that that school has done that. So, yeah, but that's what happens, though. (laughs) It is. That's definitely part of the game. Yeah. No, but you guys had a very competitive team and. And you got you have a meat science degree from there, am I correct? Animal science, meat science. Okay. So, um, I did my animal science degree at Colorado State. Um, 
large part of, of kind of my decision after that. I, w- I went to Colorado State for two reasons, obviously to be on the judging team, but my initial academic plan was to go to vet school and what better school in the country, you know, to offer that than, than Colorado State and be a part of that and try to get into vet school. And that was always a big push of mine was, you know, I want to make it into vet school. What made you not go to vet school? What well, made you kind of cross, change your mind? Yep, I applied. And, and once again, that's another one of those, you know, things that I guess just kind of falls into your lap. So I applied to vet school to get a letter back that said I, I unfortunately did not get in, you know, to vet school. And so at that time, I kind of hit a roadblock or a hurdle, I guess. And I was kind of reeling for a little bit, trying to figure out where to go. And it was actually Dr. Kaysen that pulled me in and said, have you ever thought about, you know, graduate school and maybe go work on your master's and then we'll apply back to vet school. And so he'd had a a pretty strong connection with um, Iowa State and Dr. Tom Boz and Ken Stalder, um, both of those two gentlemen back at Iowa State. And he had sent, you know, a few of his former team members you know, off of those previous teams were back there working on their degrees at that time. So Clint Schwab would have been kind of a native right there of, of Colorado. And um, he was part of the judging team a, a couple of years ahead of me there. And so that was definitely something that I hadn't thought about. Um, obviously, you know, in that time to, to make that decision uh, to go to Colorado State initially, that was part of my wife and I or you know, my significant other at that time to kind of make that plan together academically and figure out what we wanted to do. And so she was a large part of, of choosing, you know, schools and stuff after that. So once we made that decision, then Iowa State kind of came up and have you thought about going to grad school? And, you know, keep in mind, this is May. And I got a phone call May 22nd and said, can you be here June 1st for World Pork Expo? We're going to start and we have a grad assistantship program for you. And I took it. And oh, wow. First three days on the job, I, I stayed with a couple of the grad students at that time. And our next endeavor was to take on World Pork Expo and basically start scanning people for at the time. Um, you know, some open shows and obviously all those breed shows and everything else. So Iowa real quick became a big part of, of where I'm at now. Yeah. Obviously, if you want to have a passion or if you have a passion for the swine industry, there's no better state to go than Iowa and Iowa State and, and get those opportunities. So World Pork Expo and National Barrel Show and you know, working with some of those influential people in the industry right now is, has definitely been something that's opened up a lot of doors for me. Yeah. Did, don't you have, didn't you like live, I'm sorry to change the subject. We're going to talk about this a little bit more, but this just came up. Don't you have like a crazy haunted house story from when you were living, uh, and going to Iowa state? Oh yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. I, I thought I remembered that. Yes, that's a story for a different time. But yeah, yeah, we don't have to talk about it. I just wanted to make sure. And now the people are like, oh, you're not going to tell the ghost story. He lived in a very haunted house, okay? We can talk about it maybe in another episode. Yeah. Um, we'll do some spooky score- story time around Halloween with Jeremy Burkett. 
have a little <laughs> special pot bonus podcast episode. Yeah. Um, no, but I, I think you're right about the Iowa State uh, deal. I, I, you told us that when we were in junior college. I mean, I, I'm pretty I pretty sure I remember you telling me that that if I want if I really wanted to be a part of the swine industry, I should really look into Iowa State. Yeah. Um, and you're completely right that that school is very very well known for some producing really high quality meat science kids and pork production uh, yep. guys that make a real name for themselves in this industry. Yep. But, so no, I, I had the, the opportunity at that time to work with the Harold Hodsons and, um, you know, Lauren Christian and Al Christian and all of those all had a very big, important role in, in forming me where I'm at. And obviously Kurt, Swanson made the reference in a couple episodes ago, you know, of, of learning more from some of the most influential and legendary people in the industry. And when you get to rub elbows and get to talk to those people on a, on a personal level frequently, I mean, you need to be all ears because what they have to say and the direction they're taking and the foresight that those gentlemen have is incredible. Yeah. No, it had to be just crazy to grow up with those guys influencing you and and kind of coaching you along the way and teaching you their methods because i that's all i was thinking on kirk's interview was like i wish i met these guys um like lauren and 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 al uh and some of those guys that just they changed the game and they and they were ahead of their time and i'm very jealous just just to say the least for sure was it was the best experience ever and you know the the group of graduate students that we had you know and where they're going and what they're doing professionally now is incredible um you know and and not to name a bunch of those names but some of the most influential people you know right now in, in show pigs and the commercial industry and different aspects of that were you know some of our fellow colleagues that we went to school with so that definitely played a big role. Dr. Boz and his wife, Cindy, you know, Ken and Dr. Stalder, you know, getting the opportunity to work with those gentlemen and, and, you know, just their role and how they mold you into, you know, a, a grad student. I thought I knew a lot about pigs only to find out that I was very naive and obviously needed a, a, an education. And they told me that at different points, but that was the best thing I ever did yeah. uh, to, to be able to bring and reflect back on that experience now as, as a teacher and a coach has been very, very influential on, on not only my life, but you know, the students that I've had the opportunity to work with myself. Yeah. Did you, you got a doctorate at Iowa state too, right? You stayed there. Yeah, I did. So I got my master's degree at Iowa state, um, in 2006, I did a trace mineral study and obviously helped run the National Barrel Show Progeny Test was a big part of, of part of my graduate experience and getting to help with National Barrel Show and collecting carcass data for Hormel and working with some of those, you know, different integrators and everything else back that way. That was an amazing experience. Um, after I finished my master's, I applied back to vet school. I actually got accepted to Colorado State and 
basically made a pretty spur-of-the-moment decision at, at that time and said, you know what, I love what I'm doing, and if you love what you're doing, then continue. I decided to turn down my application, which I still have that letter in my office, to go to vet school. And I decided to stay at Iowa State and work on my Ph.D., in animal science and meat science, and so I stayed on with Dr. Boz and worked on a bunch of meat quality work and ultrasound and genetics and basically everything under the sun um, with their selection project that they had going at that time. And I mean, the amount of information and knowledge that I gained from that project was incredible. Yeah. No, I bet it was second to none. I mean, just I bet you worked out there every day on a pig farm. Just. Oh, yeah reading hogs and trying to think, see what their muscle is and diets yeah, my for showers in a day is about 15. The, what's that? I said my record for a day is about 15 showers because to shower in shower out facilities and trying to move back and forth between the research farms and collecting data and wherever you were at, it was, it was a constant shower and, getting to see the inside of some of those buildings and how they run and how they operate. And it was incredible. What, what makes you, do you ever like want to go back to that type of work? I have, I, I mean, obviously where I'm at professionally now, I, I love what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, that's, that's crossed my mind at different points. You never know where life's going to take you. And obviously you can tell it, you know, with the two stories that we've just discussed that, that opportunity is always there and open, but I'm pretty rooted here now. Yeah, I love what I'm doing and get the opportunity to work with kids every day, and and Wyoming's home. Well, that's a that's a great segue into what you're doing now. So you you come straight out of college, getting your doctorate in animal science, meat science, and accept a job as the head coach for yeah. Casper College's livestock judging, and you've been there since 2009. That is correct. Yep. Yeah, 2009. So you've been there for 11 years now. Quick math. Yep. I'm pretty good at it. How it has to be just crazy to watch because coach turnaround is pretty quick. Okay. It well, is. From what I've seen, from what I've seen these days, coach turnaround is pretty quick in some cases. It is. How has it been to to watch that organization or this this little niche little industry in our whole industry this little niche sector that only a couple thousand people do how has it been to just watch it grow and expand and change you know it's been it's been really interesting and and in all honesty most people will say that this turned into a young man's game and i can't agree more um i have been very fortunate in this role and always passionate about judging. And so basically the way that that started at the same time that I got my master's, there was actually a coaching position here at Casper, you know, that came up. So I called and inquired about it. And at that time I knew, you know, it, it maybe wasn't the best fit, but something that I wanted to do. And, and I almost stepped away from going to my PhD to come back and, you know, apply or at least attempt to come back and coach them. Um, so at that point, I kind of said, you know, maybe judging is is on the back burner and maybe time to move on. And it just so happened that I had applied for a couple other positions uh, when I finished my Ph.D. at a couple different research 
Uh, one was a research management specialist for one of the companies back in Iowa. Um, I had done quite a bit of work with Alltech and had the opportunity to go work for them and move to Kentucky. And I just happened to be looking through and I said, you know, I, just, I, I haven't found that fit yet. And I actually found the job listing that was posted actually the next morning, I think, that Casper College had a head livestock judging coach position open. And I went home and talked to my wife at that time and visited with my kids. And we said, yeah, if that's something you want to do, then do it. So I applied and came out. And one of my former teammates at that time had applied as well. And so we called and basically kind of bantered back and forth on who was going to get it and where we needed to be. And we basically said one of us alumni needs to be the coach of Casper and continue that tradition. So I was fortunate that very competitive pool to get the position. And I moved back here in 2009. Wow. And you've been there ever since living happily ever after yep. in Casper, Wyoming. Yep. Um, dude, it's a, Casper is a good environment, man. Honestly, the more I think back to it, the more I think back to the junior college days. And I know this is very cliche for a, a past judging kid to say, but Juco was the best experience. Uh, there's, there is nothing. The Juco two years is an experience that will never be changed. It will never be better than any other experience for me, I think. Maybe having kids. I don't know how, how having kids is. <laughs> um, but maybe you shouldn't even give that answer because I'm pretty sure you like judging more. I'm just, I don't know. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just messing around. But no, it it's just such an awesome experience. And the fact that you get to have a, a front seat to... 18 and 19 year olds i was 17 when i came to junior college you get to see these kids just mold and change and develop their ideas and it, it just has to be the craziest science experiment ever oh yeah for sure um you know in that it my wife and i have talked about that you know at different points and obviously you know the most rewarding part about about the position I'm in is, is I actually get to spend, you know, summers at home with my kids and show livestock. And we've, we've always been a very strong, you know, supporter and showing livestock and judging. And, you know, now that you have three boys that are getting involved with showing and um, enjoy judging and getting to coach and watch your kids, you know, kind of grow up and in that environment with those college kids. I mean, those college kids are, are huge role models for my kids and they see them and they say, dad, what, what does it take to be like one of them and get the opportunity to travel? And how do I do that? I mean, we've already opened up a ton of doors for them and, and other kids alike. Yeah. But it, it, it takes a strong support group. I mean, my wife is probably one of the most influential people to, you know, support you and, I'm fortunate that she does and understands what it means to me and understand what it means to our family. And I couldn't do it without her for sure. Definitely. She, I mean, she was always a huge supporter of you while I was there. I mean, it, it is pretty incredible. Um, the amount of time and effort 
coaches like you guys and put into the teams that are coming through every single year. I mean, it gets taken for granted. And I know the judging kids see it and, and we're very, very thankful or we were very, very thankful, but it's easy to take it for granted just because you're in a hired position and, and whatever. Um, but it, it's a ton of work. I mean, it, and most of the coaches, like you said, it's a young man's game. Now, I think because most of the coaches are having families and they mm-hmm. don't want to spend so much time out on the road. So that, it, it's interesting. Challenge, and especially now that my boys are older and playing football and basketball and track, and you know you're showing livestock and you want to go to this show and how to juggle it. But you know that's that's definitely as, as the kids get older, it gets a little bit easier because now the kids are a little more independent in terms of what they can and can't do. But you know, obviously the kind of the glue to the whole thing is making sure you have a stable home life and, and making sure that that's in place to allow you to get the opportunity to travel and, and be a part of that. Yeah. But I've been fortunate to have, you know, very good support, not only, you know, from, from our administration and department head, but I've had, you know, very influential assistant coaches and um, just working on a second one now. Um, we get Colby Hales to come in, uh, a former student to, you know, be an assistant and help. I mean, that definitely plays a big role in, you know, our success and, and getting to go on the road and travel and get him up and going here too. So, yeah. And, and, uh, past guest on the podcast too, Colby Hales. Yep. Um, no, I'm, I'm stoked that Colby's going to be there. Um, filling that role as an assistant, and like you said, it's going to be, it's going to be easy for you for him to transition into that role, just because you guys have that experience together. He was on a very, very um, exceptional team there at Casper. I think they won Houston, if I'm correct. Yeah. Uh, and he had a very successful career uh, of judging at CSU. So, I, I think you guys are going to get along just fine. Oh yeah, I'm excited. Um, now we talked about this earlier, kind of going, talking about, um, the coaches association, but you are the president of the coaches association. Um, so in in terms of that, what, what do you oversee when it comes to, um, is is it mostly eligibility? Is it, is it kind of contest getting things ready, getting things set up? What is your outlook when you're looking at the presidency of the coaches association? You know, it. when you say president, it's not that I'm in charge of anything, but there is a core group of us, you know, between Johnny Trichel as, as our directors and Taylor Frank and Curtis Dubit and Hayden Wilder. Um, we have, you know, a, a core group of us on kind of the executive team and, and board from that standpoint that we get to address those situations, whether it's eligibility or contests and ideas, formalities with, you know, how do how do we work with these contests to implement different roles and, um, you know, how do we make this contest better, that type of stuff. Um, probably our biggest one right now that we've we've spent the most time discussing is obviously all the makeup contests, but yeah. it takes a core group of people that believe in in what they're doing. And, 
I guess from that standpoint, I, I'm kind of the elder in the group and, and got the luxury to follow, you know, very competitive people in our junior college ranks, you know, from the Chris Mullinex to Craig Beckmeyer and, and some of our former leadership to, to be there. And I guess I, I guess my role came in more from the standpoint that I've been there, you know, there's only four or five of us that have been going for as long as we have. And so our tenure in that deal, we get to provide some of the former experiences to some of the younger coaches and, and hope to continue that, that this junior college judging program is more successful than it was before. I, I, I guess I was looking at it kind of different, but that makes sense. The way you're talking about it is it's kind of a committee that's uh, deciding on things. Um, which I think is needed. I mean, I, I, I'm glad that that is in place. I think that these backup shows or contests are going to be super, super important, uh, mm-hmm. especially just getting these guys involved that are trying to go to contests and judge. So I'm glad you're, you guys are in place and setting things up. Yep. Um, we're going to do a call back to what we were talking about earlier. There are two escalators in the state of Wyoming. I repeat, two, one, <laughs> two escalators. Now, where state. are they at? I have no idea. It's not telling me. I could probably do some more research if you talk a little bit. I can probably, jump on this. I, I would guess they're Cheyenne or Gillette. Maybe. I think, yeah, I, I actually think one's in Casper. I want to say one's in Casper. Yeah. Okay, keep talking a little bit. I'm, I'm going on here on the uh, old Google. <laughs> why is I guess the, the article is saying is because there's so many old buildings that, um, that I, I, to be honest with you I can't even think where they're at okay we've got one in Cheyenne okay okay give me another one here I'm not seeing another one Come on now. Okay, it's not telling me. I know there's one in Cheyenne for sure. Uh, and I, I, I got to be sure that that the other one's Casper, right? Could be. There could be two in Cheyenne. So, I mean, there's a, you got a 50-50 chance after that. But Okay, so one is in Casper. Downtown Casper, there is one. And the okay. other one's in Cheyenne. Okay, we're right, folks. We're right. So everyone that was on there on the edge of their seat trying to figure out where the escalators were in the state of Wyoming. There is two escalators in Wyoming in the city of Cheyenne and the city of Casper. Wow, what a booming state. Crazy. We have running water and electricity, so. Absolutely crazy. (laughs) That was the biggest uh, transition for me, man. I mean, I came from Phoenix, which has like four million people in the whole metropolitan area uh graduated with 700 kids in my high school or i had like 3,000 kids in the whole high school and then i go to wyoming and the whole state has half a million people in the whole thing and the college is basically the size of my high school exactly it was weird but it was it was actually kind of easy i mean and then we just lived in dorms and you guys put us all together which was incredible but you know that's, that's the other nice advantage too is you know like you said at the beginning of that discussion is how do you remember those kids and 
you know, you go back through in, you know, a bigger high school, that is probably a more challenging task for a high school teacher to know everyone. In a small school, you know, uh, like where we were at, I knew basically everyone in the ag department. Yeah. And who we were and they spent time with our kids. And I mean, that, that was the fun part, I guess, in terms of the education that you got is you were part of the family. It was such, such close knit. That's what I really, really enjoyed about it. I mean, it really had a family atmosphere. Yep. It really did. Okay. Um, Burkett, you want to plug all your social medias here? Plug, uh, your, um, you change your name to your, uh, what your livestock deal is, right? It's What's, Casper Dodge Livestock Judging. No, I'm talking about your personal deal. Where, oh, when, I, like your boys raising livestock. Yeah. So a few years back, we, um, I kind of lost the challenge or ability here to probably raise pigs like I wanted to. And my son was big into showing sheep and wanted to be a part of that. So we, Kept a few of his show ewes the first year, and our intention was to never get very big, and we had two ewes. Now we have 22. Oh, gosh. We basically started that for the kids and their show projects and get the opportunity to use that. So the three boys, Garrett, Gage, and Graydon, um, are now the sole owners and operators of Triple G Livestock. Bingo. Uh, and you guys have had some pretty good success at Denver and, and uh, Wyoming State Fair. You guys have been doing pretty good this past couple of years. Yep, we've been, we've been fortunate to to be right up there. Um, Garrett has shown at Denver last couple of years we've had either Grand or Reserve in the Weather Dam show on the open or Junior show side. Um, we been very competitive here, obviously within county and haven't really gone too far outside of that, you know, in terms of numbers yet, but one of the goals for definitely my oldest son to do very passionate about it. And I mean, he's coming to the age now where he's going to be starting his own stuff and getting that going. Um, Yeah. I mean, we were fortunate to have some success at different points from the Nile to Denver to Wyoming State Fair had the third overall market land this year, uh, one that we raised along with a couple of those reserves at Denver and Nile. And yeah, we've been very fortunate the last four or five years to experience some success with that. And Good. we rely very heavily on oh, Mark Hasselbrook and his crew back that way to, you know, help us and guide us in that avenue. And we've been fortunate to have a lot of success and, a lot of input on their part to to make that better good so yeah triple g livestock uh check them out if you're ever looking for some show lambs i don't know how many they're keeping in house we'll see um i want one more thing from you and then we can end this deal okay i want i wish more judging kids kind of like what we were talking about when we were getting a when we got a phone call that said hey come judge here there's a lot of kids that don't know that this is an opportunity still. And I, I want to know what you would tell those kids that don't know that they have an incredible opportunity 
if they just reach out to some of these coaches, it doesn't have to be you. It can be any college. It, it, as long as these kids that like livestock and, and enjoy evaluating, if they want to reach out, what would you tell them? I would tell them exactly that is make sure that you can, I mean, market yourself. Um, you know, if you don't have the opportunities to go out and judge and, you know, coaches will, will look in, in multiple different avenues, you know, whether it's judging contest performance or different contests across the country to recruit. And, and maybe you weren't fortunate to, to get that opportunity, you know, to go judge at a big national contest and get your name out there reach out to those coaches. I mean, if, if there's a school or institution, you know, that you see, that you like, that, hey, maybe what is this livestock judging about? And I will tell you, you know, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of those kids that maybe haven't had the background, you know, and they're, they're interested. They're, one thing that you can't teach and coach is, you know, that work ethic and want to and try um, we can teach you how to coach livestock or, you know, judge livestock and coach you to, to be a better evaluator. But if you don't have that initiative and passion yourself, that's very difficult for anyone to instill in you, no matter what you want to do. So if you're passionate about it and you show livestock and, and maybe you don't even show livestock, you just want to be involved and, and learn more about it. There is numerous, you know, junior colleges across the country, um, universities, and I will tell you from that standpoint, you know, going to a junior college first gives you uh, two years experience to kind of practice that and and then jump in. I think the junior college transition is, is a very viable course for most students to take. So I, I would say in general is, is market yourself. Reach out to those coaches. And if you don't know, then, you know, extend an invitation to those programs and see kind of where they set and what they're about and, and find the people that you want to associate yourself with and make your choice on that. Awesome. No, I think, I think you hit it right on the nail. I think you hit it right on the nail. I just, uh, there needs to be a better way to get these kids that are in some of these communities that maybe they don't have the outreach or they don't have the connections. Um, I wish we could just make it easier, but the, you did, they just need to be reaching out to coaches and stuff like that. I mean, that's the only thing that they can do. Yep. But, well, uh, Burkett, I, I really appreciate you uh, taking time out of your busy day. I know you're just sitting in your office in the pavilion, so probably got class pretty soon or you're skipping class to be in the interview. What is it? <laughs> Actually, we're setting up for our judging contest here this week. Oh, so. beautiful. Okay. So classes are canceled anyway, so you're good. Yeah. Um, Not canceled. Not cancel. They're still going. I'm just messing around with you. I'm messing around with you. Um, no, I appreciate you uh, taking time and sitting down with me. And um, obviously, like I said in the beginning of this, I like to give Casper as much shout out as possible. And you're a big reason why uh, Casper is the way it is. Well, I appreciate that. So, all right. Anything else? No, I'm good. Thank you. All right. No problem. Sure. Uh, I'll talk to you later. You're, you're going to have to be a reoccurring guest now, so we'll have you on again. Uh, right. We're going to do spooky story time with Burkett around Halloween. That's going to be a bonus episode. <laughs> yeah, I'll see what I come up with. <laughs> all right, all right, uh, Burkett, I'll talk to you later. Thank you. Bye. You're on time's limited, so you must listen carefully. 
want to know more about what I'm doing behind the scenes, what I'm trying to bring to you guys, this is where you get it, okay? If you stick all the way through to the outro, these are my loyal fans, okay? These, these are the people that I want to hear this message, okay? I'm working with another podcast host, Legendary Mindset, Jake P. Richardson. Um, and one of my past guests, one of our friends, you know him, but I'll, I, I won't give it away just yet. We are working on some ideas to bring you guys more video content, some video livestock content. And it's looking like we should have it to you guys around the first of the year. I know that sounds far out, like it, it sounds a ways away, but there's a lot that goes into it in terms of uh, travel and, and all of that jazz. I don't want to give too much of it away. We're going to kind of give it out as we go, but... We're going to bring you exclusive livestock content that you have never, ever seen before. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Okay? I'm stoked for it. I am... Shout out Ernest Donahoe. If he hears this, shout shout out Ernest Donahoe. Okay? Alright, that's all I can give you. I hope you come back next week. I'm going to have an episode for you next week. Guaranteed. All right. I really appreciate if you sticked, if you if you sticked, if you stuck with me all the way through this. Um, I hope you have a great week. Stay safe out there. I love you.